You're listening to WDW Tales, a glimpse of the Central Florida theme parks from a cast member's perspective. WDW Tales, behind the name tag. And now your host, Justin Stone. Hi everyone, welcome back to WDW Tales. I'm your host, Justin Stone. First, let me just apologize for not being able to post in a while. I uh, just have had so much going on and really wanted to make sure that the stories that I tell really were something interesting. So I I wanted to pull back a little bit and take some time to write. Uh, Also, just as I said, lots of stuff going on. I've got a new baby on the way, job's crazy, and so unfortunately... Uh, something had to, to take a back seat, and that was uh, that was the podcast. But now I'm back, and I'm excited to tell you a bunch of new stories that I hope you're going to enjoy. And uh, let's get started. So today's story is about a job that I did way, way, way back at Walt Disney World. That's probably the best job I've ever had. Um, to say that it was special and magical is not giving it enough justice. This was something that I wanted to do for a really long time and I had the opportunity to do it and I met so many great people and had such great relationships and I still have those relationships to this day. Um, So it was really a, a very special job and a very unique one at that. And today's story is about my time as a drummer for the Tapestry of Nations Parade during Disney's Millennium Celebration. If you're not familiar with Tapestry of Nations, it was a parade held at Epcot during Disney's Millennium Celebration, which turned on uh, during the year 2000. So once the year 2000 hit, or the Millennium hit, there was a big celebration across the Disney parks, with Epcot really being the center of it. So there was a gigantic 2000 on the side of Spaceship Earth and a big wand that was there for way too long. There was a new fireworks show, a new illumination show called Illuminations Reflections of Earth, and it had a whole new score, the new fireworks and fire. And there was also a Tapestry of Nations, which was the center point, this parade that was held in Epcot, where... Uh, All the uh, countries, or most of the countries, I would say, had gotten involved in a gigantic processional that engulfed World Showcase two times a night with uh, puppets and the Sage of Time and drummers and lights and music, and it was amazing. And it, it ran from about 2000 to 2002 in a couple different forms. There was Tapestry of Nations first, and then there was Tapestry of Dreams once the Millennium campaign ended. Uh, I did not participate in Tapestry of Dreams. I think I went into one rehearsal, and by then I was I was pretty much done uh, with Disney, the company. I was I moved moving away. Uh, but for Tapestry of Nations, I was in the whole thing from early early rehearsals and shows and all that. So uh, there was so much that went into that parade, and while it was so simple, it was very complex to put together. And so I thought that'd be fun for us to talk about in this episode. Uh, so what I would love to do is talk about kind of how I got started with it and then what it all takes to, to finally get to that day when you put on your costume and you start, you know, you've got the music and then you go out and you perform for everybody. So uh, get, uh, get excited, gang, because I'm excited to talk about this one. I love the show. I still love the music. And... Uh, Yeah, let's talk about it. 
So I don't remember the date specifically, but it was sometime very early in 1999. I was working at the Great Movie Ride, and somebody had told me that they saw on our intranet that there was an audition for uh, parade performance performers with drummers. And uh, I didn't think much about it. I had attempted to audition for some shows before as a drummer, but Orlando is actually a pretty intense town when it comes to musicians. And I think it's because of all the theme parks uh, and UCF is a pretty good music school that uh, a lot of musicians will kind of center around uh, the parks, the theme parks. So me not being a professional musician or I'd say a step removed from being like a full-time professional musician, I knew that I had very little of a chance of of ever scoring the gig. Uh, But what I did was I decided to, to go just give it a try. And what was interesting about this is that usually you have to have, you have to come with a prepared piece of music and then you have to sight read. So sight reading for those who aren't musicians is basically when you get to the audition, the person running the audition or the uh, music director will put a sheet of music in front of you. It's usually the show or a bit of the show that you're auditioning for and then you have to play it, whether that's with a another set of band members who already have the gig and and they know the show or uh, it's just you playing along and uh, and I, I played music since I was a little kid and sight reading wasn't a problem but I really hadn't practiced enough to really be fluent in sight reading lately so I was concerned that I would have to do that but then it didn't say anything in the audition it just said drummers with acting ability uh, apply and so I thought, well, I'm acting at the Great Movie Ride. I've been an actor. I know how to drum very well. So uh, I would give it. A, I'm gonna go give it a try. So auditions were held at this uh, entertainment facility that was back behind Fort Wilderness. There's a part where all the telecommunications and a lot of the operational stuff for Walt Disney World is kind of tucked away behind Fort Wilderness. And I'm not sure if it's all still there because there's so many changes going around. But that's where it was. So uh, open call was like from 11 a.m. to 3 p.m. or something like that on a Saturday. And so I, I, I decided just to give it a try. I had nothing really to lose and didn't have any high expectations going into it. So when I got there and signed up, there were like maybe like 75 drummers. Everyone was just kind of sitting around. People were had their sticks and they were practicing and a lot of people knew each other just because they played around town or they they were already musicians at Disney World and most of the time you still have to audition even if you were already in an existing show somewhere else on the property so they were kind of getting together and I felt really intimidated I I didn't really know what to expect so I I waited probably maybe an hour and all the while you could hear behind the door where the audition was happening people of course playing drums but there was nothing really consistent every once in a while I'd hear the same beats but for the most part it was uh, was people playing I mean you could definitely tell different styles some were like very elegant playing other ones like uh, a lot of drum corps people so it was very staccato and precise and technical and uh I really didn't know what to expect. So after an hour, they called me in and I walked in and there were a couple people sitting at the table and in front of me were two prototypes of what the drums would look like on the drum wheel. And we'll talk about the drum wheel in a little bit and what that float looked like. But essentially what was in front of me was a horizontal set of six drums 
uh, all set up like what the drum wheel would look like. And then there was the exact same amount of drums in the same setup, but vertically. So there were ones in front of you, like on a table, and then there were ones vertically, like on a wall. And so the guy running the musicians, the guy running the audition said, pick a set of drums and show me what you got. And I said, well, which ones are going to be in the show? Uh, the vertical ones or the horizontal? And he said, the vertical ones. And so I said, well, I, I'll go play those if that's okay. And he said, that's fine, whatever you're more comfortable with. And me, I'm trying to get any angle I can just to be like, hey, look, like I'm not the most you know, amazing musician in the world, but I'm showing you that I'm dedicated. So I went up and I kind of played a couple riffs and uh, a couple different things. I played some very like more uh, percussive, symphonic type things like Gustav Holst type of stuff, very, you know, very heavy but orchestral and then other stuff I kind of did some grooves and some Latin stuff and some African grooves and he said whoa 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 whoa, wait a minute and I said okay I thought or I'm done it was like three minutes in and I'm like okay and he said he came back over to me and he said play that groove again that you just played and I said all right and I played this groove and uh he said hold on a minute he goes can you switch hands so I, I think I did like most of the groove with the right hand and more of the 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 kind of the backbeat with the left hand like a typical drummer would you know they'd play with their right hand and hit the snare drum with their left hand he said can you flip that and and lead with your left hand and I said yeah here and I played it and then he gave me uh, a brush like a jazz brush and then he gave me something called a uh, like a rod and that's what it is it looks like there are a lot of uh, they look like a lot of chopsticks that are kind of coiled together so it gives this kind of cool percussive brushy sound but a little bit has a little more attack so he put that in my left hand, he put the brush in my right hand, he said, can you play that groove again? And I did. And I just played it just, you know, no problem. And and then he's like, all right, cool. He's like, thanks. Uh, okay, okay, great. Um, what I need to do? And he said, that's all. So I thought, I've, I've been there a thousand times, whether through acting or, or music auditions, where they'd say, thanks very much, we'll, we'll contact you, and you know what happens. And so he said, thanks very much. He said, could you go over, he gave me a piece of paper, I had my name and details on it, like my original piece of paper. And he said, can you go take this over to this lady outside this room? And I said, yeah, no problem. So I went over to this lady and I gave her the piece of paper and she said, okay, can you stand up straight? And I'm like, yeah, okay. And she's like, put your arms, stick your arms all the way out. So I stuck on my arms. I'm like, what are you doing? She's like, oh, we have to get you fitted for your costume. And I'm like, what do you mean my costume? I'm like, I'm in. And she's like, you're in. And I'm like, you're in. <laughs> She's like, you're in. And I was like, wait a minute. That was it. I, I had like a 15, 10 minute audition. And usually I go, you go through a couple of rounds, but that was it. I was totally in. I was part of Tapestry of Nations. So they took all my dimensions and told me to, uh, to report to the Contemporary Resort on this day for, uh, for a big meeting. And I just, I was like, okay, thanks. And I walked out and it's like, I, I couldn't, if a 747 would have crashed on the building behind me, I wouldn't have heard it. I was, I was dazed. I got into my car and I sat there and I'm like, what just happened? I'm like, did I just become a, a professional musician at Disney World? And I like started just to cr- like smile uncontrollably. And I know it sounds cheesy for those of you who don't get it. Like I get it. Yeah, you're a musician at Disney World, blah, blah, blah. But this was something huge for me. I mean, I remember being a little kid 
and going to visit Walt Disney World and watching like the Main Street Band and actually getting to know all those members later on through Tapestry, but because they've been there forever, but like watching the the guys play snare drum or all the Future Core guys, uh, watching the the Castle Show. Uh, my good buddy Frank used to play that, <clears throat> and. That was a big deal to me. I loved going to the parks. I loved drumming. And now I'm taking the two and I'm putting them together. I'm getting paid to do it. I, I was, I couldn't believe it. It was unbelievable. Unbelievable. Here I was. Uh, meanwhile, my girlfriend at the time, who was a dancer, she was at a different audition for one of the dancing roles in the parade, which was the sprite role. We'll talk about the characters a little bit later. Um, and then she ended up getting the cast too. So... The both of us got cast in Tapestry Nations, and it was a super amazing experience. So we celebrated the only way we knew how. We got a bunch of friends, and we went on a Disney cruise. And so let me take a step back. It wasn't just like, oh, take some money and throw it at the Disney cruise. So when you worked at Disney, and the Disney cruise was relatively new, so when you worked at Disney, you had the opportunity to go on Disney cruises if there was room available for like, if it was a three-day or four-day cruise, it's usually like $800, you'd go for like $250. You'd usually get the worst rooms because no one would book those rooms. You'd be at the bottom of the ship. But who cares? You got to go for like super cheap. And you usually could could book it like five days in advance, six days in advance. So we're like, hey, movie ride bosses. We both worked at the movie ride too. We're going on this Disney cruise. So us and a bunch of friends went and celebrated on a Disney cruise. And on the day we got back from the Disney cruise... We had to go straight to the contemporary, the convention center, the contemporary, because that's where they were having an all cast meeting. So everybody and anybody who was affiliated with the parade, anyone who was cast as a performer uh, would all be in this gigantic room. So there was something like 300 people in this room. And that's when we finally got to see the vision for Tapestry of Nations. So I had seen a little bit of the costuming when I got sized. I knew kind of what the drums were going to be I was going to play. But that was it. I mean, that was really the extent of it. And so Gary Pabin, the guy who was in charge of this whole parade, he came out and there's a big fanfare of, of the show. Welcome, you're part of something great. And this Millennium Celebration will be the only thing that people will experience in their lifetime. And you're part of it. And rah, rah, rah. And it was actually very exciting because we got to see all the different puppets we learned that michael curry who is the costuming and puppet person from the lion king on broadway or now he is i can't remember if that was first i think it was i think it just come out he designed all the puppets we saw what the drum wheels looked like we got a taste of the music all the stuff that i hadn't seen yet or none of us had seen yet and we're all like this is amazing we get to be a part of this and uh i was just i i didn't even care if I worked for free, I was so excited to be part of it. Thankfully, there was a musicians union and we got crazy dollars for it. At least the musicians did. Uh, so that helped even more. But uh, that really wasn't the, the, the point of it. I really could have done it for $2 an hour. It didn't matter. I would just I was going to be performing. While it wasn't like a drum set job and I always wanted to, to you know play drum set. And, well, so I did. In high school, we'd go and play there you know, as part of the band program, but like professional uh, still, I didn't care. I was still like musician and, and, you know, people like, what are you doing here? I'm like, Oh, I'm a drummer. They're like, what do you mean? And I was like, well, we're going to be on this gigantic drum wheel. And they're like, are you like actors? And I'm like, no, we're really playing. And they're like, Oh, that's so cool. We can't wait to see how this, how this happens. And I was like, yeah, me too. I can't wait. 
Uh, so we got to see, as I said, the uh, the drum wheel, the puppets. We learned some of the backstory, and so the backstory really was about the nations used to be in this harmony a long time ago, and then thousands of years had passed, and nations strove to fight with each other, and then the Sage of Time, who's this gigantic entity who would walk on stilts and had this gigantic uh, mace or staff he came back and he brought all the all the countries got back together and now there's a big celebration and through that there's these these creatures that were created so there was the disc man the aztec uh the pup uh the sprites these sprites were dancers that's what my my girlfriend at the time was so they weren't puppets but they were these uh they had these gigantic, like almost f- wings that lit up, and they danced with the uh, people in the audience. and And then the drummers kept the rhythm. We kept the time on these gigantic clocks, and that's where we found out too that these drums, these drum wheel or clock, Millennium Clock, I don't forget what they're called, but they would rotate just like a clock would. So not only was I playing a set of six drums, I was actually playing twenty four drums, depending on how the the wheel turned and what's even cooler is that it was two drummers per wheel so there was uh, an a side that faced the lagoon and there was the b side that faced all the countries so not only would there be five uh, drum wheels per section of the parade for 15 drum wheels there were two drummers so there's 30 drummers a night and we all had to play in unison and we heard the music we actually got the, the sheet music there and it was crazy the the just the sheer size of this whole thing was is insurmountable really was and being able to to look at the drawings of what the drum wheels were going to be we really got a sense of like how we were going to play we had these crazy costumes that we all kind of laughed at they looked like miami dolphins colors we had we had these unitards that were blue and orange and then we had to wear a little bit of makeup and it was very very weird but um because we drummers sit in the back for a reason. We don't like to be front and center. Uh, but it was cool to see how the, the wheels were put together. There were these, the drums were themselves were called frame drums and frame drums were basically, you'll see them a lot of drum circles or hippies use them a lot, where they're basically one sided drums, one headed drums where you can hold in your hand and you can play. And they were different sizes. So they made different tones. And then we also had a cowbell on one side. And then we had hi hats, which are, two symbols that are put against each other to make like a chick chick sound you hear it a lot in in music usually played with uh the cross hand uh when you're watching a drummer play and they cross their hands over they're playing the hi-hats and then there were these two things called zil bells or ice bells and zildjian's a cymbal company and they made these gigantic pieces of metal that made like a clanging sound and each drum wheel had four so each drummer had two uh, on their left hand and the right hand side so when you turned and faced the audience you would kind of reach down and hit these bells and there are parts of the music where the bells would make a big deal so we had drums we had hi-hat cymbals we had bells cowbells we had all these things going on and we still really hadn't seen what the music was going to be only heard little bits of it but that day we got our uh we got our sheet music and it was like eight pages of of music and a lot of it was uh was basically repeats because it's a parade so the music would repeat on itself but uh, you still had to kind of learn it all. And, and I'll tell you, like all throughout rehearsal and even after the parade started, there were tons of changes. So once you learned all the music and you learned all eight pages of the music, 
then you'd go in one day and they'd be like, hey, we cut section uh, measure 87 through 125 out and that's gone. So now you don't don't play that. Like, don't forget and play that part because it won't fit. So that happened all the time. And we'll talk more about that as I get more into this episode, but or the next episode. Uh, so we got uh, our music and I like totally just uh, I held that music and I was like, I'm going to learn this thing so hard. And I'm going to play it so perfectly. And, and so I grabbed it and I was like, this is my music. And then we got our schedule. So basically all the different teams, puppets and the Sage of Time and drummers, we all broke off. Uh, we got our rehearsal schedules and the drummers were broken into groups for rehearsal because there were so many drummers. There were 30 drummers a night and then there were additional drummers. So there was just a lot of drummers who had to, to learn it. I got set up in group one, which was like the earliest or the main group. So we had the earliest overnight schedule, um, all the show directors and the, and the musicians who wrote the music, they were, that was during the time that they were going to be there. So really that was kind of like the, that was like the, the group to be in. And, and I kind of worked my way into that. I'm not sure how, uh, but I was really excited to do that because then I was kind of playing with the best musicians. So, but what I did is I, I, got home and I immediately set to work on the music. We had a rehearsal CD that I could listen to and I could play along to as well as follow with the music. And every day I just worked so hard because I'm truth be told, I'm not the strongest music reader. Um, like I said before, I'm pretty good at it, but I hadn't done it in a while. So I really had to discipline myself and it's like it's not riding a bike. It's like going from a bike to a motorcycle and the motorcycle is already moving and you're jumping on it. So I worked really hard. I still had to work the movie ride during the daytime, during rehearsals. So up in Gangster Alley when I was on break or when I was in Bandit, I would just sit there with my sticks and my headphones and the music and just practice and practice and practice. Uh, in fact, <clears throat> some of the tour guides who would do shows, they'd come back and they'd be like, all I hear back there are drums, <laughs> drumsticks clicking to the same stuff over and over again. They're like, that's all you do is practice. And I'm like, I can't help it. I've got to get this thing right. I really do. And the parade's about 30 minutes. So, you know, I would play all the way through or I'd practice on some sections and then I'd play up a little bit and I'd play all the way through and then hit repeat and I'd go all over again. And I'd be like, hey guys, can you take my show? I just, I have like three minutes of music left. Can you just do it? And they're like, yeah, that's fine. So, uh, so I, I felt like I was somewhat ready, but very intimidated. So finally, the night had come when we started to do um, essentially on-set rehearsals. And what would happen is we would get to Epcot at about 6, 6.30. And even before we got to the parade route or we saw the drum floats or anything like that, we had to learn the music. We had to sync up together as musicians to make sure like we had this music down pat. Um, for the first couple of times, uh, it was using the music on the sheet music. And then after that you had to memorize it. And if you didn't, then you would hold everybody up and, uh, it was, it was pretty stressful. So you never wanted to be the person who forgot a riff or forgot a measure. I mean, it happened. And for the most part, everyone was cool about it, but you never really wanted to be that person who collectively uh, messed up. And I made sure never to do that. But what we did is behind Mexico, there was like a rehearsal facility, uh, behind Mexico at, at Epcot, there was a rehearsal facility. And in there, there was uh, basically 15 drummers at a time, and we would play on flat pieces of wood that had the drum wheels, had the circles, uh, 
they basically were painted. So the outlines of the drums were painted on these pieces of wood, and then they were hung vertically. So we had about 15 pieces of wood, and then there are parts of the show where you turn around and face the audience, where you'd either play the hi-hat or you'd play the zilbells, and those uh, we substituted hi-hats for music stands. So you take a music stand and make it flat in front of you. So we had the, the, the hanging drum template on one side, and then you turned around, and that was the music stand. And once we all got going and everyone was playing to sync and you turn around and you play the music stands and every lick was hit, every accent was hit. It was, it was pretty badass to hear 15 drummers just like sync up like that. And then after a while, you started to feel a little bit of your groove. You started to put yourself into the music. Didn't mean you made stuff up. Of course, you still had to play to the music, but you would kind of throw an extra accent in, or you'd kind of lean into a, a hit and, it made it, it all kind of made its way to all the musicians. So now everybody was kind of taking the bits and pieces of who they were as a musician and they were kind of weaving into their music and it was now transferring into other drummers. And all of a sudden, like just this initial cacophony of, of wood being hit and metal being slapped was just like this, these kind of sick grooves. I mean, it's still very basic music. It's parade music and it's Disney. So I'm not saying this is Buddy Rich at, you know, wherever at Carnegie Hall but it was very cool to like have all of us jibing and I thought that was really good for me because I honestly knew nobody I knew no one going into this thing I I had a good network around Disney World but it came to to musicians I just that's a very very tight-knit group and I'd never been able to crack it and a lot of people there already knew each other and they were kind of hanging on hanging out but kind of getting to to play together and showing your talent and their talent and how we could sync together as as collective drummers you kind of really got that connection and people were starting to like yeah okay like this kid can hang and whatever and not to mention it was overnight and and drummers by nature tend to be a little bit ego driven and uh, myself included and so we just really jibed and became really good friends and I, I still love those guys to death my, my cast and so uh we, we practiced nearly every night in that room for about three months and i have to say though taking a step back a lot of the drummers because they're professionals did get the music like right off the bat like they just knocked it out and i struggled a little bit i think i was intimidated i couldn't catch up and i was getting really worried that while i wasn't going to get fired um, they had three different casts. So they had the A cast, and the A cast in Disney terms for entertainment is like you're the five day person. So you're the Monday through Friday A, like A cast, you're the main cast. And then there's the B cast, which is like the two to three or sub guys. You know, so two to three days, they'll sub in when needed. They It's not that they're not any better, it's just that that's the gig that they got, or less is good, less good. That's just the cast that they're in. So they may not be as like nailed in, dialed in as the, as the ACAST. And then the CCAST is kind of like, they'll call you when needed. And I was really worried that they were going to stick me in the CCAST just because I didn't know anybody. I didn't have those relationships. I was playing, but there were times I'd be kind of fumbled up. There's a couple sticking patterns that threw me off for a while that I thought held up the the team, but uh, turns out didn't. Uh, so I was really striving to get in the B cast. I wasn't even trying to get an A. I was like, just give me two to three days that's all I want to do. It's going to be awesome. Uh, so then one day we 
came into rehearsal and the guy leading the the rehearsal was like, hey, the drum wheels are ready. You want to go check them out? So we walked over to, I think it was Germany. The Germany Pavilion had the first one. And we walked into the shed and there were these five drum wheels. Most of them were still kind of in pieces, but one was done. And we finally got like a good look at what the drum wheels would be. So it had those four quadrants of six drums. It had the hi-hats in there, the cowbell. And it was built very much like a movie set. Um, it was all very fragile. So a lot of it was plastic or fiberglass. You know, it kind of looked like a clock. Uh, and so you kind of be careful around bits of those pieces, but then the drums themselves were in there pretty, pretty well. So we got up, we played a little bit, they turned the wheels on and they let them, um, spin. So we all had a chance to, to drum and figure it out. Like, how would you play this? And how would you cross your hand over if the drums were turning a certain way? If you're on the A side, it goes clockwise. If you're on the B side, it goes counterclockwise. So we had a little bit of of an opportunity to play that and to be totally honest playing on the drum wheel wasn't as hard as I thought it was going to be um, it was a little tricky to get comfortable where everything was so you basically the, there's a bit of the floor that popped up and you walked up these tiny steps and then you got on the wheel and then you put the floor piece down so it was part of the floor and then you had to lean kind of uncomfortably to get to the cowbell that was hanging on the right hand side of the of the float and it was everything was just kind of like a, it was a movie set so it was just welded on it to be more show aesthetically pleasing than like functional so uh it took a little bit to get comfortable and get used to it but it actually wasn't that bad um so once the wheels were ready and the puppets had done their rehearsals their choreography they started to bring it all together so rehearsals started about every night uh, around midnight to 8 a.m a world showcase promenade and the parade, if you remember, there were three parts of the parade. Um, there was a part of the parade that left from Mexico that went to Germany. Then there was one that went from Germany to Morocco and then Morocco to UK. They're all the same parade, same puppets, everything like that. But in order to give the feel and the size of the parade, it left at those three points. But what we did is we started out by segment, mo- mainly to figure out the spacing of the puppets and the drum wheels. And then you'd replicate it. So we started that with, I think we actually started Germany to Morocco because that was like the longest stretch. And it was a lot of hurry up and wait because we had to get the puppets in the right spot. And I spent so many times just like laying down on the floor of the drum wheel, just like my eyes half closed at 4.30 in the morning because we really weren't playing. We were playing a little bit, but it was really more for the aesthetic of the show. So all the show directors had to line everything up and so that was a lot of hurry up and wait but when that wasn't going on I was like practicing my sticking I mean it's because this parade was more show than music you had to like use really accentuated arm movements and very be very fluid so that meant my playing style had to change where I had to make sure I still hit the drums on time but I also kind of give give off the element of this whole show piece so uh, I would I'd practice as much as I could and, uh, you know, to, to finally get to see it all happen and to play was really, really uh, unique. Um, so what they did is when we finally got to like a music part of the rehearsal where everyone would be playing and all the drummers were out, in order to keep the drummers in time, regardless of where we are, because sound is actually a very slow uh, force, you know, if you clap your hands and then if someone's far away, they're going to see you clap before they hear the clap, of course. So in order for us drummers 
who are going to be the backbeat of this show, the heartbeat of the show, we had to stay together. And we were, I mean, all the way from UK to Germany. I mean, how do you keep together? So what we did is inside our, our hats, we had headphones and the headphones would play the music for us. We basically had it beamed into these little packs that we wore on our belts. And in the headphones on the left side was the music. And on the right side was a clicking sound. So we were all hearing the music and the clicking at the exact same time. So the music that you heard as you watched the parade through the speakers on the promenade, we didn't hear those at all. We we didn't even know that was going on. We had music in our heads. So that's why... We would always, if you watch videos, we're always hitting together, we're always playing together so that it, it felt united and unique and it didn't have what's called phasing, which means you see something before you hear it and it throws off your your head uh, and it throws off the music and it throws off the choreography of the puppets. So we had the click in our ear and the music in our ear and that's what we performed to. And then the puppets would follow us and follow our drumming to make sure that they were staying on the choreography. So when you, that all happened and you could hear the music and you could see people drumming and you could turn your head and you could see someone all the way across the, the lagoon playing the same time you are and the same lick that you're playing, it's, like it's, it gave you goosebumps. And it was really cool. Uh, the other thing that gave me goosebumps was they were testing out the new Illuminations Reflections of Earth show. So the new music, the, um, uh, the fire barge, the the gigantic globe, all of that was brand new and they were testing it while we were doing our rehearsals. So when we were on break or when they were doing spacing, they would turn on the music for the fireworks show and you'd see the fire happen and the music and the music was written by Gavin Greenway, who also wrote the tapestry of nations. He uh, is a student of Hans Zimmer, a famous uh, composer. Uh, and it was all recorded by the, the London symphony orchestra. So it, it sounds amazing. And to watch that show, which is, arguably the best fireworks show that Disney has and the music by far is the best music uh, that Disney has. So to watch that go on and, and to be the first to experience that was insane. In fact, one night they screwed up the fire barge and like half the lagoon caught on fire and everyone's like, we may have to, we may have to evacuate the promenade because the lagoon's on fire, <laughs> but they were able to, to uh, curtail the fire before it got to us. Uh, but anyway, so everything was like ready to go. Uh, we were about six weeks out from opening night and opening night was New Year's Eve, 1999. And, uh, they still hadn't cast the, they still didn't cast the cast. So there still wasn't the A cast, B cast, C cast, whatever. But, uh, each night you could see every segment had a drum leader and they were usually like the professional musicians at Disney who had been well-established and they were kind of in charge of a certain section of drummers. So my guy was Lee, uh, and Lee used to be in, who was in Future Core. He was the dude that played the tenors, the multi drums, and and the, walked around with a rack of stuff. And uh, I was playing my heart out, and I was just like, just get me in B cast, like just give me two or three days a week, man. That's all I want. I wasn't saying that to him, but I was just like, that was my 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 dream. And then one night, about three weeks before opening night, we were all on lunch break, and all the 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 drum leads, music leads, had gotten together, and they were sitting at a table, and and Lee called me over. He's like, hey, man. I was like, what's up? He's like, how's it going? And I was like, yeah, it's good. I was like, um, you know, some things that I was working on, I think I nailed them and I'm really comfortable and I'm, I've got the music down. He's like, I think so too, man. He's like, what do you think about opening the show? And I was like, what? He's like, yeah. He's like, we think you're good for a cast and we want you to play opening night. And I was like, what? Oh, are you kidding this kid? I, what? Out of nowhere. This little, you know, dorky kid who 
played so many days in his parents' garage and on his drum set to Motley Crue or whatever crap that was played when I was a kid. I just got casted in ACAST, the best cast, the five-day cast, and an opening night spot. An opening night spot was like the thing to be in because it was Epcot. It was the new millennium. So much press and fanfare had been put into this night. I mean, if you just Google... Uh, New Year's Eve 1999 in Disney World you see that people lined like cars were stopped on the highway were people trying to get in like 10 hours before the park even opened just so they could camp out and be at Epcot during this time and now I was just going to walk right in in fact I was going to put on a show for these people like I'm going to sound dumb for a minute but I kind of felt like crying like I worked so hard to be in something I wanted so badly and then I overachieved I, I basically jumped where I wanted to go and made it right to to the the a cast I mean the five day cast I was that was me me and like these dudes these these pro musicians it was insane so let's fast forward to opening night opening night New Year's Eve 1999 was totally insane so I already talked about all the guests but then even for cast members like cast members couldn't park in the usual spot to uh, to get to Epcot, you had to be bussed in. Thankfully, we, we came in a little bit later, and so I was able to snag a spot and walk in. But then, like, I walked in, I saw some of my buddies who were also opening cast, and we walked right through wardrobe where all the cast members were getting their costumes on, and we went straight to the talent trailers. In um, I was in Mexico, so I was 3A in Mexico, which means I was the third drum coming out of Mexico, and I was on the A side. So that would be the lagoon side. So you would see the first drum come out, make a, if you were facing the drums, they would make a right and head towards Germany and the second one. And then I was the third one. And uh, the parade, so they had two parades a night. I think it was a 7.30 and a 9.30 or 7 and a 9. 7 and a 9. And it was about half an hour, but you would drum for about 20 minutes. So I got into my costume we were like kind of looking at each other and getting like kind of like super jazzed up. And I hopped up onto my float in 3A in Mexico. And then you could hear the 10 minute announcement go off, ladies and gentlemen, you know, all this stuff. And uh, then the five minute went off. And then, uh, then I, sorry, then I jumped, hopped into my drum wheel. So we did this last like drummer meeting. Um, where the guy in charge was like, all right, let's nail it. This is going to be cool. You're going to love it. Whatever. It's just getting a super psych. So the 10 minute went off then the five minute, At the five minute, I hopped on my drum wheel, closed the gate. My headphones came to life with the music. The lights went out on the promenade and the gate opened. And that's it for now. I think that's a great place to stop. I think what we'll do next time is talk about the actual performance and what it was like to be a full-time drummer for a while and uh, and all the experiences that I had as a performer on and off stage and all the crazy shit that went down <laughs> off stage. <coughs> Excuse me, but uh, yeah, so I hope you enjoyed this one and I can't wait to tell you about part two. So uh, stick around, gang, and we'll get into episode two and I'll see you next time.